This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I can't believe I'm saying this. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line by the one and only Jennifer Aniston. Why did Jennifer Aniston start a hair care company? Because she was tired of choosing between hair products that work and hair products that are actually good for us. But thanks to Lola V, we never have to choose again. No silicones, no sulfates, parabens, or gluten. And of course, it's cruelty-free and vegan. The glossing detangler and perfect conditioner are my personal favorites. Not only do they repair the look of damaged hair, but they also shield it from future harm. The first step to unlocking confidence in your dating life and your daily life is feeling confident about your hair. So unlock Jennifer Aniston approved hair at lolav.com. And as listeners of Seeing Other People, you're getting an exclusive 15% off off of your entire order when you use code Seeing Other People at checkout. That's 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com with promo code Seeing Other People. Please note you can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After your purchase, they will ask you where you heard about them. Please, please, please support Seeing Other People and let them know that I sent you. You guys are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from the best of the best, Jenny Kane. And yes, there is a discount, so keep on listening. You know that feeling when you get a new sweater and it instantly becomes basically another layer of your skin? Like you wear it everywhere for everything all the time. Okay, well, Jenny Kane has become my literal uniform. And if you don't know Jenny Kane, I'm pretty much about to change your life because Jenny Kane's clothes did that to mine. Jenny Kane is a California brand with luxurious staples that will transform your closet. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. They have the coziest cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories that will elevate your everyday basics. I don't know if I wear my cashmere fisherman hoodie or my cropped cashmere cocoon cardigan more. All I know is that I cannot live without either of them. Whether it's a cozy night in with the girls, a dinner date with Jake, or catching a flight to Florida to see my parents, these sweaters are perfect for every single occasion. And I couldn't be happier when I'm wearing them because I'm so comfy. And you guys know me. I always choose comfort over how something looks. But with Jenny Kane, I don't have to choose because I get comfort and I get style. All right. So we have the discount code coming for you. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Seeing other people listeners get 15% off their first order when you use code SOP at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code SOP, S-O-P. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. People that do get abusive and controlling like to cut off communication. And it was like a physical representation. Oh, he's cutting off my communication. Hey guys, it's Alana and you're listening to Seeing Other People Unfiltered. It's Thursday, so that means real-life daters are coming on to share their real, sometimes shocking, and always unfiltered experiences. Think you're alone out there? Think you're the only one whose ex hooked up with your mom or whose last date ended up being a catfish? Think again. This episode may be triggering to those with sensitivities around domestic violence or acts of physical and verbal abuse. If you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence, help is available. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is here to listen with confidential support 24-7-365. Call 800-799-7233. I am 33, and I am on here to talk about um, a past relationship that I had that involved um, domestic violence, um, some verbal abuse, really difficult relationship, but wanted to just broach a subject that's really difficult. Thank you feels like not even like the right words because it feels like the words thank you don't have enough weight to hold for just how I feel about you reaching out and being open to coming on and talking about this. I imagine it's not easy to talk about. I obviously can't begin to imagine what it was like to go through, but I am really so grateful that you are open to sharing your story and hopefully this reaches somebody who needs to hear it and who you know, anything that you went through maybe could be prevented for someone else just from hearing your story. So all that to say, thank you so much. Um, Let's go back to the beginning. This relationship, where were you in life? How did you meet this person? Yeah, so I met him through work. Um, I was, I met him, I think when I was 27 um, and 33 now. Um, So I met him through work. We worked for the same company, different roles, different departments. But I met him there. Um, We were friendly at first. Um, I was actually in a relationship when we met. So nothing happened for quite some time. Um, But we, I think it started maybe about a year after I met him. Um, We were 
not the greatest beginning. Um, and being like completely like frank and honest about it. Um, I had cheated on my boyfriend at the time with him. And so it was a really like terrible way to start. I felt horrendous about it. Um, we had been out with coworkers and drinks involved and I ended up going home with him that night. Um, felt so much guilt, so terrible. Um, tried to work through things with my boyfriend at the time and we ended up splitting up. It just was not going to work out. Um, I wasn't happy in my relationship at that time either. And I think that's part of like what drove me to do something like that. And I still definitely feel guilt to this day, but done a lot of work to try to get past that and forgive myself for that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we met. So not a great beginning from the start. I'm actually curious about that. When you, when this happened that night, like before that happened, did you ever think like, oh, like maybe I'd be interested in him if I wasn't with my boyfriend? Like, did those thoughts come up or was it truly like just, it just happened? Never. And that's what's so crazy is I had like, I'd spoken to him. We were friendly. We weren't like great friends. We kind of hung out with like coworkers together and same friend groups and everything. But I had never pictured him in that way ever until that night. And it happened and it was just, it kind of seed got planted in my head after that. Wow. Stories like that scare the living shit out of me. Yeah. It terrifies me too. And having been through that. So I, yeah, just not the makings of a, a great romance there. Yeah. Okay. So eventually you and your boyfriend break up and then what happens next? Yeah. So my boyfriend and I break up about two months later and, um, this guy and I, so my ex, we jump into things kind of right away. So it gets really intense, really fast. And having like worked through a lot of this in therapy and recognizing it now, uh, I think a lot of it came out of guilt where I felt like I had to justify what I did, that it had to be this big thing. Like I, like, I think feeling bad about what I did, I wanted to make it seem like I cheated for a reason. Like there was something so amazing about this guy that I just had to be with him to justify what I did. So it got really intense really quickly. Um, we were seeing each other all the time. We were sleeping over at each other's houses basically every single night, practically living together after a few months. Um, just really like intense kind of love bombing situation on both sides um, at that point. So it, it happened very quickly. Was it weird having that work dynamic involved at all? It definitely was. Um, and I really didn't want coworkers to be aware of it at first that we were seeing each other at all, um, just because it was new and everyone kind of, I think, had an idea of what had happened, given that like I had had this serious boyfriend and I'd just broken up with him. And it it was a weird dynamic. And that kind of ended up coming into play where a lot of our coworkers were like, aware of our relationship and got involved in some of the messy parts of it. We'll get into that. I'm definitely intrigued because I've seen so many like workplace that turned relationships unfold in such crazy, like dramatic ways. But then I've also seen some like I have three weddings this year where my friends met their soon to be husbands at work. And to me, that's just mind blowing because my workplace <laughs> romances did not go well at all. So um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> what point did things begin to take a turn? Because it sounds like I mean, I know you mentioned like a little love bombing and super intense. But you know, there was definitely like you were really into him and he was really into you. Yeah, so it took a turn pretty quickly. Um, probably a few, a couple months in, um, I had noticed some signs and I don't think I, I think I, I tried to justify it at the time. So he was very controlling. Um, and it started with like little things at first with like, Oh, where are you? What time are you leaving work? Um, and really like checking up on where I was, like, what was I doing for lunch? Um, where was I throughout the day and like gave him kind of way too much access to me, I think in that way, but it, took a turn when it just started being very controlling. I think the first time that it got really bad was he had taken my phone um, in the middle of the night we were sleeping and he grabbed my phone and I woke up and he was like screaming at me and I had no idea what was going on. And he was just there going through my phone. And I, my immediate reaction is to grab it back from him. And that was the first time that things really took a turn and got bad and got physical. He ended up 
hitting me and I don't want to go into too much detail about this, but I also don't want to skim over it because I think people do kind of tend to do that in these situations. But he ended up hitting me in the face, shoving me on a bed and then snapped my phone in half, um, which I was completely alarmed, didn't understand what had happened. And he was mad about a text that I had had in a group thread with people from work that I had gone out with. And it was, I couldn't understand why he was upset. And he was just trying to look for any reason to accuse me of like cheating. Um, And to give context around this too, his whole justification for this, um, which kind of, I'll get into this later, turned into a lot of like, I know people throw the word gaslighting around very like loosely, but it was exactly that. Um, Just constant accusations of me cheating or me doing something to him that wasn't actually happening. He had been engaged before me a few years, actually before we met, um, and his fiance cheated on him. So I do think a lot of his fears stemmed around that, but was it fair to take it out on me? Absolutely not. Um, and that not. is what happened was in it. That's kind of how it started. I have like five thoughts right now and I'm trying to figure <laughs> out which to, to go into first. The next morning or, or the rest of that night, what was going through your mind? I was scared. Um, and I was, I was defensive, I think too, because I was like, I didn't do anything wrong. And I really couldn't figure out why somebody would do this to me. And I think this was, I'm a very competitive person and I really like to, I, I am trying to work on this part of myself and have, I'm working on it, but I, I like to win and I could not figure out what he was upset about or why I, how I had done something wrong if I'd done something wrong. So I think I felt very defensive in that aspect where I was like, I didn't do anything wrong. And so a big part of it was, I was scared. I didn't know what he was going to do next, but I was also trying to like combat him on this. Like I did nothing wrong. Why would you do this to me when I did nothing wrong? Why are you treating me this way when I did nothing wrong? And that was a big part of it. And then I didn't have a phone, so I couldn't call anybody, um, didn't know where to go. I was scared to get my laptop out and try to talk to somebody through there because scared he was going to do something to that too. Um, so I stayed. We, he ended up apologizing the next morning, um, went and bought me a new phone, which there repeats of that later on. Um, and I, at the time, forgave him because he broke down, started crying and telling me that he was just scared to be vulnerable again. He was scared to be cheated on again. And he was scared because that's how we started. Um, I was going to ask if he ever used that against you. The fact that like you guys first hooked up because you cheated. So Um, yeah. And, but here's the thing is like, it makes complete sense that he's scared, you know, based on his past, but we're all scared of things and that's not how we react. Exactly. And I was really vulnerable with him early on that I had been cheated on before. And I was really scared of that happening too. And really open with him about my guilt of how this all started and how this happened and that I wasn't going to do that to him. And it's, that's a scary thing to hear hear from somebody. And like, I I get it because it has happened to me and he later did the same thing to me. Um, But it was, it's, it's justified to be scared of that. Nobody wants to be cheated on. Nobody wants to feel vulnerable. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a confusing situation. So I think at that time I was like, okay, he's just been really hurt before. And that's why this happened. And it was the, I'm so sorry. I love you. I would never, I'll never do this to you again. Like, please promise that I can trust you and just be open with me. And like, we're going to get you a new phone. It, but I think like the breaking of the phone and like in situations like this, like people like that and people that do get abusive and controlling like to cut off communication and it was like a physical representation. Yeah. Of oh, he's cutting off my communication. Mm-hmm. 
Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. When I first started seeing other people, some of my closest friends and family could not believe it. Not because they didn't think I was capable of being a podcast host, but because I usually can't get through a sentence without sniffling. And during allergy season, forget about it. My seasonal allergies are debilitating, and my sinus congestion and pressure has always left me feeling so sick. But luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Claritin D has truly transformed my life. Not only can I breathe better and sleep better since taking Claritin D, but I also can get through the day so much smoother. I used to have to cancel plans because of how bad my allergies were. I'd go through a tissue box a week, sometimes more, and my eyes were always watery. But Claritin D's fast symptom relief starts working on allergies with nasal congestion in as little as 30 minutes, and it tackles nasal congestion caused by allergies or a cold and also relieves sinus congestion and pressure due to allergies. It's truly the greatest thing I've ever come across and I am so grateful that I found it and started using it. Are you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. Brave the uncomfortable. Those are the words engraved on my bracelet that have gotten me through some of the most anxiety-inducing moments over the last few years. And that's why I could not be more excited to encourage you all to get a Presently bracelet of your own with a phrase that resonates with you. Presently is a line of mindfulness bracelets engraved with words inspired by cognitive behavioral therapy. The brand was started by two sisters, Lindsay and Emily, who have obsessive compulsive disorder, aka OCD, and anxiety. They realized that when stuck in an anxiety spiral, it's hard to put into practice the tools that they learned therapy sessions. They looked and looked for bracelets that could serve as reminders to interrupt that spiral, but they couldn't find anything besides the cheesy good vibes only and no bad days types of messaging. They started Presently to bring more authenticity to self-help anxiety management. And as someone who has had a Presently bracelet for three years, I mean it when I say it really makes a difference. So whether you need encouragement to make it onto that date that you've been anxious about, a calming mantra to get you through a big day at work, or simply a reminder that you're not alone, Presently has your back. Their bracelets are so beautiful and elevated, and they also make amazing gifts. And I know because I have gifted a few over the years, and my friends were so excited to get one and have worn them ever since. There are six phrases to choose from, and if you're indecisive, there's a quiz that you can take to help you choose the perfect reminder for your anxiety. Plus, 5% of each bracelet is donated to your choice of four mental health nonprofits. I wholeheartedly love and support Presently, and I know that your Presently bracelet will bring you as much comfort as mine has brought me. So head to presentlybracelets.com. That's P-R-E-S-E-N-T-L-Y bracelets.com for 10% off your order using code seeing other people. Raise your hand if you have dating anxiety. All right. All right. I know that everyone has their hands up and I get it. I had debilitating anxiety when I was single. And even when I first started dating Jake, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I know that is not a good way to feel and that is not a fun way to date. And I get it. It can be hard to find an anxiety relief tactic that works for you. That's why I'm so excited to introduce you to a new one that has helped me dramatically with my wedding and work stress and anxiety over the last few months. And trust me, there's been a lot of it. Sunset Lake CBD is an amazing company that not only has helped me feel so much better, but they also have a really cool history and mission. Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. As farmers, they believe in providing only top-shelf CBD and hemp products at fair prices. So they cut out the middlemen and they ship their CBD straight from their farm to your door, which means that their CBD is affordable and trusted because CBD and anxiety relief can help everyone and they want it to be accessible to anyone. Trust me when I say that when I'm stressed or anxious, my sleep is the first thing to go. But despite everything I have going on right now, I've been taking a sleep gummy before bed 
bed and my sleep scores on my aura ring have been through the roof. Plus, I'm finding myself relaxing more at night and being able to turn off my work brain and my anxiety with the help of their CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews. Whether you want to sleep better, relax better, focus better, recover better, or anything in between, Sunset Lake CBD has something for everyone. So check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use code SOP for 20% off your order. That's code SOP for 20% off farmer-owned, Vermont-grown Sunset Lake CBD. Yeah, because also in that moment, that one experience probably scared the shit out of you for wanting to talk to anyone about it because you were afraid if there's any record of it, he'll find out. Or even if there's a record of you saying like, hey, like, can we go on a walk like to a friend? Like I'm going through a lot and need to talk about it. Like he would find that. Yeah. And that was, that became like a, this is just a huge recurring theme throughout our relationship was me being scared to talk to anybody because he would see it. I was scared to talk to my sister, to my friends and even to my, it got to the point where I was barely speaking to my family because I just didn't want to have these conversations and have them question it because I was so tired of being accused constantly of things or being questioned of things. Yeah. So you move forward, you try to move forward. What unfolds? Just repeated incidents and more escalations of the same thing. So I think a big thing that I th- I think is important to bring up is like the warning signs that I kind of missed around all of this with like him cutting off communication for me. So it just continued to get worse where he was telling me that like my family didn't have my best interest in mind, that my friends didn't really care about me and just continuing to get more controlling to the point where I like I ended up moving in with him officially. Like I stopped talking to my sister. I stopped talking to my best friend. I stopped talking to most of my friends around me because I just couldn't have conversations with them because he was so controlling over it. And they were so upset with just with the fact that I was with him and telling me that they didn't think I should be with him, but I didn't want to recognize it at the time. And I didn't want to hear it. And so that's kind of where it progressed just to the point where it was this just him and I against the world kind of thing. And when somebody does that to you, and obviously like I I do play a part in this, but I do not blame myself for what happened to me. And I think that's really important to recognize. Like I, there were things I did wrong and choices that I made that I am not happy with, but regardless of any decisions that I made, nothing like that should ever happen to somebody and nobody should ever be treated that way. So that's kind of how it progressed and it got progressively worse. Um, we were living together. I didn't have a key to our house. Um, I wasn't allowed to have a key because he didn't trust me to not bring other people over. And it was just- Stop. Yeah. That's what he said? Yeah. He was like, I don't trust you. So we lived together with his roommate and he would not give me a key because he was scared I was going to hook up with his roommate. And- Were you paying rent? I was paying rent too. Holy shit. Okay. I know. And I like looking back on this, I'm like, how did I ever, how did I ever allow this to happen to myself? Like, it seems so crazy, but when you are that person and you're in that moment and you've gone through all of this with somebody, I think all you really want to do is justify it. So I think for me, it was trying to justify like what I had done, the relationships that I had broken with other people and everything that I'd been through. I was trying to really make it work with him to justify it that sort of like sunk cost idea where you've gone so far into something like you want to see it through but like now realizing like that's you need to cut things like that off in that time were you did you believe him like did you believe like okay yeah you're right it makes sense that he doesn't want me to have a key because he's afraid of this thing and I understand that so cool I'm okay with not having a key or in the back of your mind where you like this, there's something not right here. I think in the back of my mind, I mean, I knew there was something not right. I think I just kept trying to justify it because I thought I loved him at the time and I wanted to really make him as comfortable as possible and not trigger these feelings in him. But that now realizing is not my responsibility to do and was not my responsibility to really like avoid anything that could that could trigger him because he wasn't willing to put in any work himself. It was kind of all fell on me where it wasn't him needing to not react that way. It was 
me not needing to act in a way that triggered a reaction for him. What was it like when it was just the two of you together? Because I imagine there were really good times that you had where there was a reason why, you know, in your mind, you thought you loved him and this was worth fighting for and worth compromising all of these things about yourself for. Yeah, it was a really like polarizing relationship. And the fact that it was when the good times were good, they were really, really good. And we did get along and we did have fun together. We took some great trips and just when we were able to relax and really talk and really get deep together, it was great, but it was always broken up by these incidents. And it got to the point where I was counting the days in between things happened and telling myself, like, if it doesn't happen for a week, then we'll keep going and it'll be fine. Or if it doesn't happen for two weeks, great. Like we hit this milestone and you should never feel that way, but that's how I was operating at the time. And just going based off, okay, nothing bad has happened for a week. Nothing bad has happened for two weeks. But these good times and these like great talks and really like deep conversations that we would have together and these like moments of like, I think what was love at the time in a way were always interrupted by these incidents. And they just escalated and escalated and got worse and worse to the point where I was really scared for my safety. When you say it or these incidents was this usually involving like him being physical and hitting you? Yeah, it, it got bad. Um, to be completely honest, really, really bad. Um, where I did end up in the hospital one time, um, he got completely outraged that I had had messages with somebody from work regarding something from work, somebody telling me that they were out sick for the day. And I said, feel better with a couple exclamation points. And he took that as I was cheating with this person. And that's where his mind went. Um, and it it got really horrible. Um, and he, he broke my laptop, broke my phone, threw all my clothes out the window and got extremely violent with me. And I ended up needing stitches. It was horrible, um, but again, it was just this point where I was so broken. I was like, what do I do? What do I have? I have nothing and no, no way of contacting anybody. And it, if you feel in those circumstances and times like that, that you don't have a choice, but you really do have a choice. There's always a way out. And I think I need, I, I felt like I didn't have one at the time, but I also knew that I needed to get out but I need to, to do it as carefully as possible. I will get into how you did eventually get out, but two questions first, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say them both now so I don't forget them. One, how did this all happen when he had a roommate and it wasn't just the two of you living there? And two, what did you say when you went to the hospital? So his roommate was not there all the time. He was dating somebody, but he was aware of what was going on. I don't think to the extent to that extent that he knew it was that bad. And this really bothered me and still bothers me to this day that he didn't really do or say anything about it and seemed to be like, it's your business. It's not my business and just wouldn't get involved. And I think that does happen a lot. People are scared to get involved or get in the middle of something like this because it is really messy and it is really scary. And he wasn't always there, but when he was, I think he knew what was going on. I mean, he definitely knew. I mean, I told him one time and he was just like, this isn't, this isn't my relationship. You guys need to figure this shit out. And second part of that, when we went to the hospital, I told him that I had fallen off a scooter. Um, He went with you. Yeah. He went with me. Um, I told, which is ironic because I actually did fall off a scooter like two years ago. So karma on that one. Um, but I, yeah, I told him that I had crashed one of those like bird scooters and hit my face and they believed me and that like, I, I'm sad that they didn't ask more questions because this probably happens a lot. I, I can't imagine how many like women, I maybe it probably does happen to men too, or anybody of any sort of gender identity. It probably happens to them, but going into like a medical facility with your partner 
with this story and not asking enough questions or not even getting you in a room alone. I think that's there. That was my next question yeah. was, was there ever that opportunity? There never was. And they didn't give an opportunity for me to do that. There, He was in the room the entire time. And there was never like a question of like, hey, can I speak to her alone? And that I felt really failed in that moment that I didn't have the opportunity to do that. But I also don't know if I would have taken it if it was given to me because I was so scared and he was there with me and he was the one who had driven me there. Yeah. Do you feel like you're at a crossroads in your love life? Maybe you're in the thick of modern dating or you're wondering if the person you're with is your person. Whatever your situation, I have the perfect podcast for you. It's called Dateable, your insider's look into modern dating, hosted by Julie Krafchick and Yue Shu. They talk about it all, from why you're choosing the wrong partner and how to stop, to how to actually go from matching on the app to getting on a date, to securing your anxious attachment, and everything in between. Julie and Yue have been on Seeing Other People, and I've been a guest on their podcast too, so if you're looking for a great starting point, check out my episode of Dateable, Season 15, Episode 10, Is It Chemistry or Anxiety? Guys, this podcast is incredibly relatable, insightful, and oftentimes hilarious. Wherever you start, Dateable will help you feel inspired to date differently and create a love life that works for you. You can subscribe and listen to episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts every Wednesday and Sunday. So check out Dateable and thank me later. When earlier you mentioned, you know, your friends or your sister saying like, we don't like you with him or this doesn't seem like a good situation. What exactly were they saying and what parts of this were they aware of? So they weren't aware of a lot of it. Um, Most of them didn't know anything until it got really bad. And I'll get into how that happened. Um, They had a gut feeling, basically. They they knew how he and I started and they knew that it was not an ideal situation. My sister off the bat had a gut feeling that he was not a good person and I didn't want to listen to her. And I wish I had, um, she just something about him, something about his energy, the way that he carried himself. She told me from the start, she was like, I don't like him. I feel scared of him and told that to my parents too. And I, at the time was like, no, he, had like a lot of tattoos and stuff like and I I was like oh like she's just judging him because he has like a bunch of tattoos and that was my justification for that at the time but she knew my best friend knew too and I think it was also the fact that I was spending all of my time with him I was with him all the time I wasn't making time for other people I was completely alienating all of my friendships because I was with him 24 7. That's the hardest thing also from a friend's side, because, you know, as much as somebody wants to help, they really can't until you're ready to let them. And it's so shitty that that's the way it is. But like, I don't know a single story where a friend was like, I don't think you're okay. Like, let's talk through this and and maybe get you out of this. And the person was like, yeah, you're right. Like, let's go take yeah. me with you. Like, no, it's always like fighting. Like, oh, you don't know what it's like when it's just us two or you don't know everything. Like, and then just this feeling of wanting to push those people away who aren't, who are trying to get in the way of it, even exactly. if you know that they're right. Totally. And I think it's like, I, I can be very stubborn. And I have to learn a lot of really hard lessons on my own. And I've had to really learn how to ask for help since then because I'm really bad at asking for help. And it's something that's really hard for a lot of people to learn, I think, with that pride that you have and things like this. Like you're you're always going to say, you don't know what I'm going through, but they really didn't know what I was going through. And I wasn't really willing to share that with them either. So I think that made it even more difficult. And until I really let anybody know what was going on I really isolated myself what finally led to you getting out or first of all even backing up how long did this go on for it was like almost four years before we completely stopped seeing each other so wow uh, yeah, a, a very long time. So there was, it was broken up kind of into two parts and I'll, I can get into that now, but when I, we kind of had a break in our relationship. Um, and this happened because he got arrested. Um, and I, 
I called the cops on him. Um, I basically had enough. Um, he was just so volatile. I never knew what was going to happen. And he had been out with some friends. I was at the house and he came back and was like, he, well, he, before he even came back, he started texting me, telling me that he doesn't want to see me. I need to get the fuck out of the house. You can edit that out if you need to, um, but I needed to get Damn. out and get all my things and I need to leave. And I was just like, what, like, what are you talking about? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't understand where you're coming from. And he just came home drunk, completely enraged. I got all my stuff and my dog at the time and just put her and my things in the car. And my biggest fear too, was he was going to do something to my dog. And that was really, really scary for me. And I just, I wanted to get out and he came in and I was going back and I was trying to look for some of my stuff. And he came in, got physical with me again. And then threw a like giant candle that busted my windshield of my car while my dog was in the car and there was glass everywhere. And I immediately got in my car, drove several blocks away and called the police. Like could not even see through my windshield driving, like with my window down, with my head out the window and called the police and just told them everything that had happened. And they went and arrested him. Wow. Yeah. So how long, yeah. What, what happened with that? So I moved, um, pretty quickly. I moved in with my sister for a little bit, um, was staying on her couch for a little while and kind of had to break down to her, like everything that had happened. Um, and like, got my own place for a little bit and backing up with this too, like going into some more of this. And I think this incident is also like important to bring up. He had cheated on me too. And we had tried to work past it, but it just like wasn't happening. And so his whole argument of being, and I think this is kind of what led me to actually finally do this and finally call the police was his his whole fear and why he treated me this way was because he was scared he was going to cheat on me, but he had gone out and cheated on me and I'd found out. So it's, that argument was gone and it wasn't making sense anymore why he was doing this to me or why he was treating me this way. And I think that finally made it click in my head. Like this isn't justified. There's no way for him to justify this at all. Like he was saying that he was doing this out of his fear but he did to me what he was so scared of happening to him. Well, after he did it and after you found out, how did he continue to try and justify it? He tried to justify it basically saying that I was cheating on him and he didn't believe me and that I, I was cheating on him. So he cheated on me. And I you said, I, feel better with exclamation points to a coworker. Because I said that to a coworker. Yeah. And there was another incident too. Like it was just little things and just for like, for an example, it was, telling me that I was doing things that I like wasn't doing. He got a new job at one point and I left work. It, I left work at six o'clock every day. And at like six Oh two, he's like, why haven't you left work yet? You were going to text me. And I was like, it got busy. I couldn't leave yet. And he wanted to celebrate getting his new job. And I was like, great. Well, I'm going to like pick up some stuff, um, like to celebrate, get some like wine and beer. He was going to have some friends over and his roommate, I guess, was like on his way home from work too, who was our roommate, um, but just called him his roommate. But so I went and picked up like wine and beer. And of course, that's going to take me like 15, 20 minutes. And so by the time I get back to the house, he's like, where were you? What were you doing? What took you so long? And I was like, I was picking up wine and beer to celebrate your new job. And he was like, no, you were with the roommate like you were with him. Like, that's really funny. Like he got home at the same time as you, huh? That never happens. Not a coincidence, is it? And I was like, I didn't, I, we don't even talk. I didn't even have his number. That's how crazy this whole thing was. I did not even have a roommate's number. I had, did not have his phone number. Ever. Well, God forbid if you did. Yeah, I, I couldn't have. And so that's where that, that just for example, was the kind of thing that he was doing where it was, no, you're cheating on me. You're doing this. And just, I mean, it, it like 
just convincing me that I was this terrible person that was doing these things to him. And part of me was like, oh, like, did I really do something wrong? But right. Like, how did it make you feel being told all of these things? Because I've been in situations where I've been told, like, this is my fault. And it's because I did this. And it's because I said that and things that just like weren't true. But I started to believe like, okay, like, maybe it is all my fault. And maybe like, I did do this thing wrong. And it's all like, I'm the only person to blame here when that was absolutely not the case. So I'm curious if like, you also started to believe that. I did. And I definitely felt that way for a while or I was like, oh, am I like really not a good person? Am I, am I talking in a way that is leading people on or too flirtatious or am I, am I, and it got, he was like controlling what I was like wearing too. Or I'm like, am I dressing in a way that's like provocative or it was just, and then I finally got to the point where he, after he cheated on me, where I was like, this is not about me at all. This is nothing that I'm doing. This is 100% him and his fears and him projecting on me and making up scenarios and accusing me of just wild things. I'm like, in the 15 to 20 minutes that I picked up wine and beer, yeah, I, like I hooked up with your roommate during that time. Like, no, like this is like, this is absolutely like crazy. And finally realizing that, and it took me a really long time too, but that's when he, Honestly, him cheating on me was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. And I like hate to say that, but it was the biggest wake up call for me that this is not about me at all. And this is all yeah. him. You move in with your sister mm-hmm. for a bit. He, did he go to jail? He did. Um, he, did. he got bailed out. So he had a really long court process and this was like prior to COVID and then COVID ended up prolonging it. It, it got dragged out for like quite a bit of time um, with him having to go back and forth and timelines around that and everything. But so I moved out, I got my own place um, for a while. I had to go to court and obviously he was there too. Um, He had a lawyer and he got everything very, very reduced um, where he only got charged with a misdemeanor instead of felony and got everything reduced, I think, to like some sort of like destruction of property sort of thing where he was like only charged with like vandalism for my car. And they allowed him to do that by giving him a like court appointed like like therapist basically where he had to go to um, anger management classes and behavioral therapy and serve community service as well. So he started seeing this therapist. Um, He had to see her every single week and go through anger management with her. So that's how that all transpired. We weren't talking for quite some time. Um, They had issued a restraining order too, but he was still trying to get in contact with me some. Um, I was still really vulnerable at that point as well. And I ended up allowing him eventually back into my life. and really not happy that I ever did that. What did it feel like when everything got reduced? You know, he had done all of these things to you and finally maybe you're about to get some justice and and be free of him. And then basically in front of your eyes, like "Mm," he just gets off with kind of a slap on the wrist. It was really disappointing. Um, It like I wasn't surprised though too. And he's a very manipulative person and very, very good at like twisting words and scenarios. And so I'm not entirely surprised that this happened. And just with the way that like our justice system is too, it's really hard to get like protections around these kind of things. And I mean, you can issue maybe getting too political here, but Feel free to edit this out if you want to, but no, please. I I think there's like a lot of issues like with restraining orders and things too, where like, it's great that it's in place, but it doesn't physically stop somebody from doing anything to you or seeing you or finding where you are. It's, 
it's there and that's great. And if they do something and then it does get reported, like, yes, they can get arrested, but they could also do something to you in that amount of time. And right. It's not like this actual force field that prevents someone from getting to you. So it's really hard. And the thing I think that's, that kind of kept him in line after that was that he, his therapist too. And I, this word also gets thrown around a lot. So narcissist gets thrown around a lot, but his, like he got diagnosed as a narcissist, like by like professionals. And I didn't realize that for a very long time, but it makes complete sense that the only time that he changed and the only time that he stopped being physically abusive was when he had consequences for it because he doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about anybody else. He truly only cares about himself and having consequences for himself that could affect his job or his livelihood and being on probation were the only things that made him change. And he even said that to me after the fact, um, like a year later, that the only reason that he was not doing anything to me was because he would have consequences and because he was on probation and he would use the phrase, like, you're lucky I'm on probation or like, and it's, it was only for him. He only cared about himself. And I'm sure, yeah, that stopped him from physically harming you, but it didn't stop him from controlling you from saying whatever he wanted to say to you. No. And it was, yeah, it was very like verbally abusive and him at that point, like, so we ended up getting back together, um, maybe about like six months after kind of all of this happened, I had moved out. We ended up getting a new place together and it just kind of continued where we were trying to make things work. I had tried to forgive him. I still hadn't really repaired those relationships with my family. Like my sister and I had started talking again for a little bit and kind of stopped once she knew that I was seeing him again. Um, and did I you just, try and justify that to her or anyone else in your life? I did. By saying what? saying that he had changed, um, that he'd been going to therapy, that he had not done anything in quite some time, that he, talking about his past, um, how he was brought up, he, there, there are some things I think that do lead people to do things like this, but, but it never justifies it. So he was abused growing up. Um, and I think that does contribute to it. The fact that he saw violence in his household as a child does probably, I'm sure, and like from talking to my therapist about it too, and I'm not a professional in any manner, but that can contribute to people being violent later when they see it and they see it as the norm and you're exposed to it at such an early age when you're like, your values and things are really being formed and what's okay to you, like that's being shown as being okay and being the norm to you. So I was trying to justify it to my friends and my family at the time is he's not, he's not doing this anymore. He's, he's changed. This is why he ever did it in the first place, but he's a different person now. Um, and he was different. I will say that he was different, but it was not because of me. It wasn't because he loved me. It was because he cared about himself and only himself. How long did this period of being back together go on for? About a year. Um, and during that time, I tried to start mending some of my relationships. And I think that is what helped me really get out of this was really focusing on myself. And with that removal of violence as, or like physical abuse as a threat, I think I was better able to do that. And like, that's not going to be possible for everybody. And so I think my, my situation is very unique. Um, and that I was able to do that and was able to feel safe enough to do that. Um, but it, yeah, it got to the point where he was, he didn't want to do it anymore either. I didn't want to do it anymore either, but it just kind of, it kept going on, I think for such a long time because neither of us were really ready to let go. And for me realizing and being in my thirties, when I was doing this at this point, that I still, I'm still young. Um, not all hope is lost. And I think that was a big fear for me for such a long time was I am in my thirties now and I've been with this person for a few years and I, am I going to find somebody else? Am I going to be able to have another relationship, um, and like have kids and have this life and all these things that I want. And I, 
think realizing like that, that it's not like a sunk cost. Like I don't have to stay in this relationship. There's still a future. There's still possibilities and really taking time to work on myself is what really gave me the courage to finally leave completely. What did leaving look like? So leaving for me looked like moving. Um, It was moving out. I don't think that he thought I would ever do it. Um, I think that he thought that I would stay with him forever. And the funny thing is, as much as he didn't want to be together, I think he was really content being together because he had me there. He had somebody to, to help and better his life and better his financial situation and split rent with him, help take care of our dogs and like just a companion and somebody who's going to go grocery shopping, those things. It was just a convenience to him. And so for me, it was leaving looked like I had to move. I had to physically move. I had to cut ties with him and it wasn't easy at first. And the thing that really propelled this forward for me was my sister getting engaged um, and seeing how happy she was reconnecting with her through that. I immediately was like, I, I have to get out. Like I can't do this to her and to myself and seeing how wonderful a relationship was. I started putting the pieces together and saving money and looking, looking for places to move to and finally just made it happen. We, he had been saying that he didn't want to do it anymore too. And I think he was really shocked when I was finally like, I'm moving out. And he was upset with me um, saying that I wasn't being fair to him, that I was going to like, it wasn't fair to leave him. We were like on a month to month lease. I was like, I'm doing this for myself. I am, I am leaving. And it was surprisingly calm when I did leave, but it was hard. Um, and hard to cut off contact completely. And I've since moved again um, since the first time that I moved. What has the healing process been like? And I'm sure it's something that it's not linear. It's going to continue. You know, you don't just wake up one day and you're like, I'm healed. What has that looked like for you since you left? Yeah. So it's been, it's been hard um, to be completely honest. And I think I did I did a lot of healing while I was still living with him, which we were so like over each other at that point that I really did as much as I could to focus on myself or healing for me was starting therapy. That has been the biggest help for me working through that with somebody who is a complete third party who doesn't know the situation, focusing on myself, listening to a lot of podcasts, um, working out and really getting back to myself. I think I lost myself a lot in that relationship. I lost a lot of my interest because I was just catering to him all the time. So healing for me has been a lot of inner work through therapy, through listening to different podcasts and just feeling like I have a support group around me and then reconnecting with people that I lost relationships with. So with my sister, with my parents, with my friends, and being really vulnerable with them. And that's a really hard thing to do sometimes is to say I was wrong and I'm sorry. But I think something for people to know is that the people that love you are still going to be there for you after. And I have the most incredible relationship with my sister now and like my best friend and my parents. And it's amazing that like the people that love you are still going to be through there for you after. They don't hate you for this. They were scared for you. They were concerned for you. And it does take time to build that trust back. I will say that. Like there was a lack of trust at first, um, especially with my sister. Um, She is my favorite person in the world. I'm like, get emotional about that. But she is my absolute favorite person on this planet. And I'm so grateful that I was able to rebuild trust with her. And you have to hold yourself accountable. So for me, that was not talking to him at all, not seeing him at all and really holding myself to that. And not saying one thing and doing something else. And just through that and through kind of rediscovering myself, like finding out this little simple things, but like, what kind of music am I into again? Like, I feel like I just, I conformed to him so much that I lost so much of myself and my interests, my hobbies. And it's been such a like fun process to rediscover that. Yeah. So healing too, I think is 
I've been getting back into dating and that was something harder at first, but I took a lot of time. I took like over a year before I went on a date after this, but I will say I'm like hyper, hyper aware of any kind of signs like this now. Um, well, context, I actually just started officially dating somebody, which was amazing. Um, we've oh been seeing God. each other for a couple months now and he's just like the most incredible person. He's so kind, um, taking things really slowly, just really patient, wonderful, respectful. And I would have never been able to date somebody like this if I hadn't really taken the time to work on myself. And it was hard getting back out there at first. I was realizing a lot of warning signs with, um, guys that I went on dates with anything that was even remotely perceived as being controlling, yeah. I had to cut it off. Even if it was a guy saying, Hey, I think you should get this size TV for your bedroom. I was like, no, like, sorry, I can't ever see you again. Like this is, I it's, I'm like hyper, hyper aware of it now. And maybe that's like not the greatest example, but anything that like, I think that's something that I'm still working on and still healing from is anything that is perceived as controlling to me is really scary. And like in the physical aspect of it too, I do still sometimes get triggered by like loud noises or like door slamming. And it's taken a while to like not jump when things like that happen. Um, and it probably will take a really long time and I may never like be how I was before, but I'm so much more self-aware and so much more aware of how other people are treating me and when people make me feel good. And being able to just cut things off if they, if they aren't feeling good. Um, so it's been a big healing process. And then just, yeah, rebuilding the relationships and feeling content with who I am. I'm so happy to hear that not only have you like rebuilt the connections you've had and the friendships and your relationship with your sister, but you're at the point where you are able to open your heart to someone new. And that is definitely really vulnerable and, and really scary, but you're doing it in the way that works for you on the timeline that works for you and you're doing what you need. And I think the fact that you were able to see these things that didn't work for you and cut them off, like you said, like, I think that is so big because that's the thing that you couldn't do for so long is just cut it off. And so it's really wonderful to see like how much you have grown and, and how far you've come. I have two more questions for you. The first is, if you could go back in time and tell yourself that first night that he hit you and broke your phone, tell yourself anything, what would it be? I think it would be that you're not alone and there is a way out. Um, I, what I went through has really shaped who I am now and made me so much stronger, but I would never, ever wish that on anybody. And I think the biggest thing for anybody out there is realizing that you are not alone and the people that love you are going to be there for you. The, your, your friendships, your family are so valuable that they, they will still be there for you and never cut those off and that you're, you're stronger than you think too. Um, but the fact that you're, you're really not alone, there are people that love you and there are people that will be there for you and you do, do not need this person. And anybody that does something like that to you does not deserve to be in your life. And there's never any justification for it whatsoever. Absolutely. What is the best piece of dating or relationship advice you've ever received? I think... One that I've been thinking of, and I've been thinking of this question, um, mm -hmm. and I kind of came up with this a bit myself, but never compromise yourself to complete somebody else. Yes. It's, yeah. I did that for far too long, and I never want to lose myself again in a relationship, and it's so important to keep who you are and the people that matter to you and never ever dull yourself to make somebody else feel better. Couldn't possibly agree more. Thank you so much for being here. Is there anything that you wanted to share that you did not get the chance to, or that I didn't ask you about? I think just for anybody going through this, just, 
I've mentioned this already, but know that you're not alone. There are people out there who will help you. You're not alone in this. It is really scary to go through. Um, and you may feel like you're the only person going through it, but you're absolutely not. It happens more than you think, but there are resources. There are people out there that care. And there's, yeah, I <laughs> think just you're, you're completely not alone in it. And there, there is always, always a way out and they're not the only person that's going to be there for you. Yeah. On that note, thank you so much. I really, there are no words to describe how much I appreciate you coming on and, and I'm so proud of you and, and so happy for you with where you are now. And just thank you. And to everyone who tuned in, please, please, if you have a friend, a coworker, a cousin, a dog walker, anybody you know that would benefit from hearing this episode, please, please send it to them. Share it on your story. You never know who it will reach who really, really needs to hear it and to know that they're not alone. So thank you. And I will talk to you all next time. Thanks for listening, daters. I hope today's episode made you feel just a little bit less alone out there, no matter what your status might be. Give your finger a break from swiping and hit that follow and review button instead. And if you have any burning questions or want to share your own unfiltered dating stories, reach out to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, keep on seeing other people.